Midday Live on SAFM, 104-107. Indeed, uh, six and a half minutes past twelve. This is uh, Midday Live, SAFM, 104-107. Thank you very much for joining us and welcome to the show. We welcome your SMS's 34701, tweets at SAFM Midday Live at Kuala Bim. And uh, still to come, Home Affairs uh, currently briefing the media on ending the refugee status of Angolan and Liberian refugees here in South Africa. So we'll be looking at that particular story. We'll be speaking to uh, someone from the United Nations High Commission for Refugees in the Southern African region as to why is this and of course uh, the meaning of this. But uh, our top story this hour, the South African government says it does not support the idea of military intervention in Syria. The Department of uh, International Relations and Cooperation uh, says while the government remains deeply concerned about the continuing violence and rapidly deteriorating human rights situation, it does not believe in bombing the country. Dirkos spokesperson Clayson Moniela says South Africa is alarmed at the latest escalation in the conflict in the Syrian Arab Republic and condemns the use of chemical weapons. Meanwhile, just a short while ago, the French President Francois Hollande has just completed a joint press conference with Ahmed Al-Jaba, who represents the Syrian National Coalition. Hollande says his country will continue to support the people of Syria. Following the uh, chemical massacre that took place on the 28th of August and that needs an appropriate reaction from the international community. And I have told him once again that France will provide its political uh, support as we have been doing for months, we've been doing for months, but also it will provide humanitarian aid, material aid, and we will use all the support and the power we have in the Gulf countries. Um, I am conscious of what the Syrian people is going through, its suffering, its pain. 100,000 dead since the beginning of this conflict. Everything should be done that a political solution is found. But this solution will not materialize until the coalition is capable to, be, to stand as an alternative with the necessary force. The French President François Hollande there and uh, Ahmed Al-Jaba speaking through an interpreter said the brutal acts of chemical attacks on Syrian people will not go unpunished. We have discussed with His Excellency the President about this issue and we thank the uh, French Republic for, and we thank President uh, France for his stance and position and the position and cooperation of the great French people uh, with regard to this uh, uh, crime in the face of humanity. What we would like to say that this crime will not go unpunished. There should be a strong reaction, an international reaction from the allies of the Syrian people to this uh, crime. At their forefront is the French Republic and also we also would like to thank uh, the allies, the United States, uh, the United Kingdom, and I would like to tell the Syrian people and to our families inside Syria of all, from all walks of life that any punishment will only be targeted against this criminal. It will, tar- it will be targeting the machine of the killing that this regime that is using arms against its people. Ahmed Al-Jaba representing the Syrian National Coalition. Meanwhile, the United Nations Secretary General Ban Ki-moon says the UN chemical weapons inspectors will complete their work in Damascus tomorrow. He says they will leave the country on Saturday morning. I appeal that uh, diplomacy should be given a chance and peace given a chance. It's important that all the differences of opinions uh, should be resolved by peaceful means through uh, dialogue.
and I'm going to continue to work for, on, on this principle. Uh, uh, UN Secretary General Ban Ki-moon, the White House has ruled out any military effort to oust Syrian President Bashar al-Assad from power as U.S. President Barack Obama ponders options in response to last week's chemical weapons attack in Damascus. We have looked at all the evidence and we do not believe the opposition possessed nuclear weapons of that, or uh, chemical weapons of that sort. We do not believe that, given the delivery systems using rockets, that the opposition could have uh, carried out these attacks. We have concluded that uh, the Syrian government, in fact, carried these out. And if that's so, then there need to be international consequences. And today, the British Parliament will debate the Syrian crisis. A crucial vote on military action has been deferred until weapons inspectors have reported back on their findings. Here's the British Foreign Secretary, William Hague. There is already, uh, from the eyewitness accounts, uh, from the fact that the Assad regime has used chemical weapons before and has chemical weapons stocks and was bombarding this area when the crime, these crimes took place, already a huge amount of evidence. But it is understandable that people want to see what the UN inspectors say. That is completely understandable. And so that is incorporated into our motion. And that's uh, the British Foreign Secretary William Haig ending our special look at the Syrian crisis. It's 12 and a half minutes past 12 right here on Midday Live, SAFM 104 to 107. Here at home, members of the police and prison's civil rights union, POP crew, are marching to the office of the National Commissioner, Ria Piecha, in Pretoria. They want management to implement a Department of Public Service and Administration Act directive which would see uh, all administrative jobs being upgraded in line with uh, other public service employees. Let's talk to our reporter now, Lila Machnas, who is at the march. Afternoon to you, uh, Lila. Good afternoon. Uh, first, let's talk about the march itself, the turnout. What can you tell us? And where, I- where is the march right now? Well, the march is in the city centre at the moment. Um, it's quite a few hundred members of Popku that gathered at the old Patco bus um, area in Pretoria. It's just an open field at the moment. And they are walking with, uh, you know, being escorted by the police and the metro police. So uh, they are moving slowly towards the headquarters of the National Police Commissioner and causing quite an upheaval in the traffic in the city centre. And the turnout? There's, there's, there's quite a, I would think it's about a thousand people. Um, initially, they expected about fifteen thousand people, but it, it's about a thousand people, and they from all over all the provinces in the country. And uh, what is the match all about? Well, it's basically a two-pronged request or demands that they have. The first one is they want to be incorporated in police act. Now, if they are incorporated. They will also be classified as, uh, you know, it's, it's essential um, personnel, so they will give up the right to strike, but they will get other benefits like um, belonging to the police's medical aid scheme and and housing allowances and things like that. That's the first thing they're asking. And then the second thing they're asking is to be upgraded to the same salary level of all the public servants under the Public Service Act. They want the levels 1, 2, 3, and 4, to be upgraded to level five um, because they say what's happening is that they are now at a certain level and other public servants are, are doing the same work, are earning up to 20,000 rand more than them because that's, uh, you know, a higher up level. And they basically say they want equal pay for equal value. They were marching to the office of uh, the National Police Commissioner, uh, General Ria Piecha. Was she there to receive the memorandum or even to talk to them? No, they're still on their way. They haven't, um, they haven't been to the office yet, but there are police presence outside the office that's, that's cordoned off the entrance of the building. So I'm just waiting for them to come here to demand to see if uh, the National Commissioner is going to accept the um, demands or if she's going to send a representative. Thank you very much, our reporter Lila Machnas. At 16 minutes past 12, the Constitutional Court is hearing a case about whether a trade union can be held liable for negligence in providing legal representation for its members. The case was brought by two employees who were dismissed by a multinational company in Durban. This happened after their union, the Food and Allied Workers Union, FAO, 
agreed to represent them in an unfair dismissal claim. Constitutional Court re- uh, Senior Reporter is uh, Candice Klein. She joins us on the line. Uh, Candice, good afternoon to you. Just uh, sketch a bit of a background for us uh, to the story, please. Good afternoon. Okay, here we have two gentlemen who between them have between 20 and 22 years of service um, in their respective fields at Nestle. Um, and they were unceremoniously uh, retrenched uh, without any warning. Of course, it's not an issue whether their dismissal was unfair. Uh, all the courts have been, that they've been to so far agree that it was an unfair dismissal, that they weren't given proper notice, um, and that Nestle didn't follow the necessary guidelines and should compensate them accordingly. That's over and above the retrenchment packets. That packages that they got. The one gentleman unfortunately passed away before this matter could even be heard in the Constitutional Court or even um, at the original trial court. Um, but they are both represented because it, it, it highlights a very important issue. Um, and, and it's unprecedented. In fact, the, the judges of the Constitutional Court pointed out at the beginning of the hearing that it's quite unprecedented to have employees suing uh, their union um, 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 over a breach of contract. And what happened in this particular case was they, when they were unfairly dismissed, um, their union took up their case and they went to the CCMA, which couldn't resolve the dispute, um, and they were subsequently given 90 days within which to approach the Labor Court. Um, now, the idea was that their prospects of success of getting compensation from Nestle were quite good. Um, but instead of actually fulfilling that obligation, um, the union uh, obfuscated. They, they told them that they were going to file the application. They didn't do so. A year later, the employees went back to the union to check on their case. The union again said to them, no, everything's fine. Don't worry about it. But when they went to the court to find out, they discovered that the, the case hadn't been lodged. And in fact, that they'd missed that 90-day, that three-month deadline within which to file their labor court appeal. So the situation at that stage was they now would have to go to the labor court and first ask for permission um, or, or, or rather for condemnation for the late filing of their case before the case could even be heard. So there was this additional hurdle in their path. Um, and they argued uh, at that stage when they approached the union, the union was saying, no, um, we've got a second opinion on this case and we don't think that there's a good prospect of success, so we're just going to drop you guys. Um, and it was at that stage that the, that the two employees turned around and then tried to sue the union itself um, for the compensation that they would have gotten if the union had done its job and fulfilled its mandate or its contract to them. And so far today, what's been, what's been happening? Well, there's been arguments. Obviously, the Supreme Court of Appeal agreed with the employees that the union was liable for that compensation because they didn't uh, fulfill their side of the bargain um, and that it was uh, um, most unfortunate of the union to drop them at the 11th hour uh, two years after the fact, um, saying all along, stinging them along in fact. Um, and, and saying that they, 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 that they are assisting them when they weren't. Um, in, in the constitutional court, however, the union is arguing um, that its own constitution, um, which is mandated by the constitution of the country, actually allows them to say that if the collective interest trumps that of individual members, then they will drop those individual members and act in their own best interest. And they were saying that basically because this, the, these two cases um, didn't really warrant, uh, there wasn't a good chance that they would succeed, which means that they would probably be uh, slapped to the cost order, um, if, if they lost application on behalf of, the, of these employees, uh, that would not be in the best interest of the collective of the union. Of course, the two employees are, uh, argued in the Constitutional Court that, it, that the union can't now claim um, that its collective interest trumps that of individual members, because it goes against the very principle of what a union is there for. Um, a, a popular slogan by many affiliated unions of Kasatu is an injury for one and is, is an injury for all. And in fact, the Deputy Chief Justice did raise that in question um, uh, the union's policy and its constitution in saying that when is it ever okay for a union to drop one injured worker uh, in favor of the collective? Is that mandated? Is that possible um, under, the, uh, under its own constitution? Thank you very much, Candice Klein. She is our senior constitutional court reporter at 20 minutes past 12. Midday Live on SAFM, 104 to 107. A top story this hour, the Democratic Alliance has called on Army Chief General Soli Shoke to brief Parliament's Joint Standing Committee on the condition of South African soldiers in the DRC. Looking at the markets this hour, gold is trading at $1,409.20 an ounce. Ounce. Uh, platinum is at $1,524.50 an ounce. The rand is trading at 10 rand 40 cents against the US dollar at 16 rand 10 to the pound and at 13 rand 70 cents to the euro. What's at the heart of a computer? An element of sand called silicon. 
which is refined into a microchip through an extensive process. Just as we help refine you into a leader, a business machine sought after by the country's top companies. The proof? Some of South Africa's greats were mentored by us. Visit unisa.ac.za forward slash SBL now to find out more. The UNISA Graduate School of Business Leadership. Building leaders who go beyond. For 21 years, September in Joburg has been Arts Alive Time, a time for a feast of spoken word and big poetry. Join us for two nights of a blend of seasoned artists and wordsmiths from across the continent, featuring the flourishes from the UK. Jar 9 with Roger Stone now from Jamaica, Harari's indie hip-hop at the Mighty Nine, and many more. Brought to you by the city of Johannesburg, stitching together a more integrated city, part of the city's 21 years of Arts Alive celebration. For more information, go to artsalive.co.za. Midday Live on SAFM, 104-107. To Cape Town now, the severe weather conditions in the Cape Peninsula have claimed their second victim. The body of a vagrant has been removed from a cave after it collapsed behind the Chapman's Peak Hotel in Hout Bay. Yesterday, police found the body of a homeless man in Kells River. Chris Mabuya reports. Three men who were also inside the cave managed to escape when they realized that it was giving in. Disaster management team says the man's body was recovered after emergency crews resumed their search this morning. The severe weather has wreaked havoc across the Western Cape. Disaster management officials were sent out to assist residents at Somerset West and Strand after the Lawrence River overflowed last night. In Pal, dozens of people living next to Bear River had to be evacuated when the river also burst its banks. Community members are being housed in community halls. Several roads and bridges in the area have also been closed due to flooding. Drakenstein Mayor Hesse van der Venter has appealed for help. There are emergency signs, and people must please be very careful. Do not move the signs, do not try and cross the bridge. Somebody tried to or move the board this morning and the Long Street Bridge and tried to cross it, and his car got stuck. It's quite wet, and we need dry blankets and food desperately because the people have nothing left. Everything is wet, and everything's underwater. In Cape Town's northern suburb of Montevista, a number of private homes have been flooded. Residents Lizia Lambert says two pipes in front of her home burst, causing extensive flooding around her house. The whole house is flooded. The bottom of our cupboards, the bottom of our couches, everything that's on the ground, it's all wet. In our bathroom it's flooded because the water is coming from the sewage up into the bath. For the next couple of days we're going to be trying to... I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do, really. The Cape Town Weather Office says the cold and wet conditions are expected to continue until Saturday. Forecaster Kate Tanner says strong northwesterly winds can be expected this afternoon. Tomorrow is a little bit more cloudy with rain and showers, and also Saturday also so fairly cloudy with rain. Sunday it starts to clear out, and Monday is also just a partly cloudy day. It seems at this point that another frontal system is making landfall towards Monday evening, rain for Monday evening and Tuesday. Well, we've got a warning out for gale force winds between Cape Columbine and Cape Agulhas. More than 100 millimeters of rain have been measured in Cape Town in the past 24 hours. The scenic Chapman's Peak Drive near Hout Bay and the French Hook Pass in the Boland will remain closed indefinitely due to mud slides. And that report by Chris Mabuya in Cape Town. Just a couple of SMSs here. A question coming through from Fanondovo in Cape Town asking how diplomatic of the British government to ask its citizens to vote on principle whether they support the military move against Syria. And this one says, if Western countries can decide the future of countries in conflict, then what is the use of having the UN and its Security Council, asks Saul Mthongo in Katlehong. He tweeted, three, in fact, he SMS 34701. You can tweet us at Gualapi News at SAFM Midday Live. We welcome your emails as well, midday live at sabc.co. 
Let's go now to the Tata area in the Eastern Cape where opposition parties have lashed out at both Walter Sisulu University Management and the government for failing to resolve the wage dispute at the university there in Mtata in the Eastern Cape. The dispute between university management and workers has resulted in the cancellation of lectures for six weeks. Meanwhile, students at the university have been given until tomorrow to vacate the premises. To find out more on this, we joined on the line by our reporter Fundiswa Mtlegu good afternoon to you Good afternoon Bongi and good afternoon to the listeners as well What can you tell us, how is the situation like at uh, the Walter Sisulu University we know that uh, students have until tomorrow to leave the premises Yes Bongi uh, uh, right now it is very quiet at uh, the Nelson Mandela Drive campus we see some few students going in and out of the institution uh, there is also a group of people who have gathered near the entrance. Uh, we hear that uh, at um, uh, Progressive Youth Alliance Women's Forum, and they are discussing what uh, is it that they are going to do right now since the, 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 the extended deadline is tomorrow. Uh, the student leadership say they are not going anywhere they, they, because uh, um, the only thing that they want is for, for, for classes to resume. Immediately, and uh, we have also heard that at uh, Imika campus in uh, in Atawet, uh, the, the the students uh, say they are not going anywhere. Uh, it is also quiet also at the moment at Imika campus. Uh, the students are attending a court case of 16 students who were arrested yesterday during a, a protest action at the campus. They are appearing in court today, and also at. Um, at uh, Buffalo City campus, uh, the students say they reject the extension of deadline and even reject the decision uh, of going home. And uh, what happens then uh, tomorrow if uh, they do not want to move? And, uh, of course, we, we saw visuals of uh, uh, security guards there with uh, big guns. Some of them really uh, the could students turn say out. They... Pardon? Yeah, I'm saying so then what happens if they say they, they, they're not going to move? The, the students say that they will be, they will remain in campus, and if uh, maybe the, the police come and uh, evict them by force, there will be a, 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 a responsibility of the municipality. They claim that the municipality will have to provide them with accommodation because they are not going anywhere. Have you seen any parents, maybe concerned parents, who've been there to to fetch their their children, maybe because uh, it, it would appear that uh, the diversity is steadfast in their resolution that uh, they must go. No, at the moment there are no parents here. Uh, unlike yesterday, we saw a, a few parents uh, picking up their children from inside the campus, um, and uh, a few uh, students. But we saw a few students board their taxes from inside campus and leaving the institution. All right. Uh, thank you very much uh, to our reporter in the Eastern Cape in Mtata, Fundi Swamlegude, who is at the Walter Sisulu University. As we heard there, opposition parties lashing out at both the management of the institution and uh, as well as government for failing to resolve uh, this impasse. And also, uh, it will be interesting to uh, understand what is going on right there with uh, Nehao as well and uh, management trying to resolve this uh, a situation that has been going on for the past six weeks now. And uh, just uh, one uh, SMS here coming from uh, Laki Mashele in Matsakali village saying that Syrian President uh, Bashar is very stubborn. He must be... Oh, okay. Now, I'm not going to say that, uh, Lucky, but uh, yeah, your point is taken. 12.30 and uh, it's time for the news headlines. And in the headlines, economist Mark Schisler has warned that although tomorrow's special price announcement might be relatively favourable to consumers... October prices are likely to be high. He says the petrol price will probably only increase with a cent or two going into September, but prospects for October are not good. The Democratic Alliance has called on Army Chief General Stoli Shoke to brief Parliament's Joint Standing Committee on the Condition of South African Soldiers in the DRC. The government says United Nations weapons inspectors should be given time to complete investigations into the use of chemical weapons in war-torn Syria. Back to Bongi. 
Thank you very much, Ezele. We'll see you at the top of the hour. Shadow, you are a typical Joburg girl. <laughs> <laughs> you, had to, you couldn't stand the Cape Town weather. Listen, after I experienced your studios here, I'm convinced the that view. this is the place and the view. <laughs> <laughs> From the top I hope I see you today, Bongi Okay, I'll walk across, don't worry Fantastic, and then otherwise today We are joined by Professor Pitikan Juli We're looking at women in the arts Because tonight is the event honouring women in the arts The Mbogoto Awards So do join us We'll do that. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, we scheduled to talk to the Director General of uh, Higher Education and Training, Kwebinkunda Konde. We're still trying to get him on the line uh, to talk about uh, the situation at the Walter Sisulu University uh, in uh, the Eastern Cape. As you heard, opposition parties lashing out at both uh, the university management and government for failing to resolve the wage dispute at the university. You heard also that students at the university have been given until tomorrow to vacate uh, the so we'll bring you up to speed as soon as uh, we get hold of uh, uh, the Director General of Higher Education and Training, Kwebin Kundla Konde. South African National Defence Force Spokesperson Brigadier General Kolani Mabanga says all South African soldiers wounded during a crossfire between Congolese troops and M23 rebels on Saturday are in a stable condition. This as the Democratic Alliance has called on uh, Army Chief General Soli Shoke to brief Parliament's Joint Standing Committee on their condition, adding that uh, the soldiers have not been properly trained and equipped for their assigned tasks. The government says it has spent more than 400 million rand on making sure that the soldiers are protected. A few weeks ago, you may remember, we spoke to the M23 rebel group leader Bethrand Bissimo, who warned that they would retaliate if South Africa were to attack them. We are saying to them that uh, they are our brothers. Those countries, South African um, Republic and uh, Tanzania, they, they are our, 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 our brothers. They are our brothers. And we think that we, we can't fight uh, each other. It, it can be it's not uh, in our culture. Uh, to, to fight. We are African. We are African. We must help each other to get peace in uh, our our country. Uh, South African Republic can help us, help our government, help us as M23 to go and to get peace by the talks. I think if they do that, they will do uh, a good thing for us. But they can't come in our country and to fight to against a part of of, of citizens of this country. They can come and support a government which uh, made in the country a bad governance. But we think that if they try to support the government army to against us, we will defend ourselves. And when we defend ourselves, our soldiers, and the soldiers which will be in the, the other side will die. Why the soldiers will die? Why? There is no reason, I think. But we can, South Africans can help us to talk, to continue talk in Kampala. And uh, that was uh, the M23 rebel group leader, Befrand. Bissimo, right here on uh, Midday Live, SFM 104 to 107. It's 25 minutes to 1. We welcome your SMSs, 34701. Your tweets coming through at uh, SFM Midday Live and, of course, at Gwalapi News. Home Affairs uh, is uh, currently briefing uh, the media on uh, ending the refugee status of Angolan and Liberian refugees in South Africa. According to the United Nations, if the circumstances that led to citizens of a conflicted country country asking to take refuge in uh, another have changed and the threat to life no longer exists, the cessation clause can then come into effect. Let's talk now to Tina Gelly, who speaks for United Nations High Commission for Refugees in the Southern African region. Uh, good afternoon to you. Uh, good afternoon and thank you for having me. All right, help us understand, what is the status now with uh, the Liberian and uh, Angolan refugees here in South Africa? 
Okay, just to clarify, the government is only going to um, uh, pronounce cessation for Angolan refugees in South Africa. The number of Liberian refugees is very minimal, and that's not the case here. Sorry for any confusion. But it's for the Angolan refugees that their status will cease as of the 31st of August. And, and what is the position right now? Um, well, since uh, earlier this year, we've been working closely with the Department of Home Affairs um, to explain to the Angolans about the upcoming cessation clause and to talk to them about the possible solutions available to them. One of them is the voluntary repatriation back to Angola. Another may be trying to apply for an alternative uh, immigration status. And uh, are you satisfied that uh, Angola is at peace right now and uh, these uh, refugees can uh, be repatriated back home? Um, the, the cessation of the status is for those that fled during the, the, mid, the war in the mid-60s of independence and the civil war which ended in 2002. If an Angolan uh, has a reason why they should, cannot go back, they're also able to uh, present their case to the Department of Home Affairs and ask for an exemption from the, the refugee cessation being applied to them. And, uh, of course, uh, the reasons why they are here really will differ from uh, one refugee to another, but those who would want to stay here and, and point to really unstable uh, uh, situation in, in parts of Angola, in, in their homelands, for instance, uh, what would you say to them? Yeah, I mean, I think if they if they seriously believe that the reasons they can't return back would be based on persecution, then they should present themselves to the Department of Home Affairs and explain that, and then the decision will be taken on their case. And uh, what assistance are you giving them? Um, for those that want to return home, we have a, uh, a package in place. We will assist with uh, the airfare to return back to Angola, and there will be um, uh, a cash grant given, um, for each member of the family, along with um, a certain per, uh, amount of baggage that they'll be allowed to take with them. And uh, how many people are we talking about? Uh, so, well, I know that so far, well, we already repatriated two people last week, and we have um, another 12 that will go back tomorrow. We're in the process of registering more. Um, so ac according to the Department of Home Affairs, I believe there's about 5,000 Angolan refugees in South Africa currently. Well, it's all well and good that you assist them this side to go back home, but uh, what kind of support are you providing in Angola to make sure that they are integrated back into their communities? Um, well, once they arrive back in Angola, we have an office there that will assist them to go back to their communities. And the government of Angola really is the one responsible for receiving the refugees. These, this isn't the first group of refugees that are going back. We've been assisting people to go back since 2002. Last year, we assisted another 20,000, uh, not from South Africa, but from other countries. Uh, once they get back there, the government issues them with a, a identity document, and then they can access the uh, social services that are provided just like to every other Angolan in the country. And for those who do not want to go back home, what kind of integration processes uh, are you working on to, for them to stay here at home? Um, those who did not want to return home um, and who may not qualify for uh, exemption of refugees uh, of the cessation, um, they can apply for alternative status. They need to have an Angolan passport and then they need to complete the necessary documentation and it will be processed. Thank you very much to Tina Gelly, who speaks for the United Nations High Commission for Refugees in the Southern African region. The Cape Chamber of Commerce and Industry says the current strikes around the country are crippling the economy. Thousands of workers in auto manufacturing, construction and transport sectors have downed tools in demand of wage increases. Spiwe Hobasa reports. The Cape Chamber of Commerce and Industry says workers are making demands that cannot be sustained by employers. Chairperson Michael Bahrain. The problem that you've got is that the strikes are lasting longer than what we normally expect in South Africa. So we've got more and more strike days off work. This has affected the economy really badly. Uh, we know that the world economy has not recovered. Businesses can't cope. We're starting to see businesses saying that if those demands are met, the businesses will close down. Bahrem says striking workers are the first to suffer economically due to the strikes. If you went to the man in the street, the worker, and asked whether they would support such a strike, I don't think they would. 
People don't earn during their strike. Families suffer, the individuals suffer, the businesses suffer, and government. Government suffers really badly. Next week, thousands of workers in the clothing and textile industry are expected to go on strike. Meanwhile, trade union Satawu's industrial action at SAA Technical has entered its fourth day, with workers rejecting the table 6.5% wage offer. Yesterday, the Aviation Union of South Africa accepted the offer and avoided industrial action. Satawu's Vincent Masoha. We are waiting for the feedback from the negotiation team of that is meeting the executive committee of SAA this morning and we'll be meeting with them again. This afternoon, and they'll give us uh, the outcome of. We are expecting, of course, that the increase will be effected. Satao's Vincent Masocha ending that report by Spiro Hobasi in Cape Town. It's 18 and a half minutes to one. Just a couple of SMSs coming through here. Anyone who believe that Assad used chemicals to. Do they think that uh, he score an own goal? Uh, no, to me, it doesn't make sense. Sfiso Madana there. How can the DA make a public call on the army head to brief the Joint Committee on Defense when they are a minority in the committee and do not control the agenda? They make their priorities those of the committees of parliament. I cannot believe the arrogance of the DA, says Anthony in uh, Johannesburg. All right, uh, we go back now to the story that uh, we did uh, quite uh, a while earlier. And, uh, of course, no, we're not going to the DG of uh, the Education, the Department of Higher Education and Training, Kwebinkunda We were hoping to talk to him, by the way, uh, to just get a sense of what is uh, what is it that uh, his department is doing to uh, resolve the impasse uh, at uh, the Walter Sassoul University uh, in the Eastern Cape in Mtata there. You heard that uh, students at that particular university have been given until tomorrow to vacate the premises. Advocate Dalimpofu has urged government to rethink its decision to refuse to fund his clients' legal costs. Mpofu, who is representing Lonmin Platinum Mine workers who were wounded and arrested during an unprotected strike in August last year, tabled his client's affidavit before the Marikana Commission of Inquiry in Centurion this morning. And for more, we say good afternoon to our reporter, Fenwell Schumer. Fenwell, what can you tell us about uh, this uh, uh, affidavit that was tabled uh, this morning? Mainly the argument was that the commission should be postponed until the issue of funding for the injured and wounded uh, mine workers is resolved. But uh, uh, so far, there haven't been any response from the commission. We know that the commission has stated its position last week that uh, uh, whether the injured and the wounded, uh, the wounded and the arrested miners are present or not, they will continue with their cross-examination of uh, clients or uh, witnesses at this commission and uh, the argument by advocate Dalimpov was also supported by the Socio-Economic Rights Institute of South Africa from the Vets University as well as AMCO and uh, the South African Human Rights Commission. They are all calling for the commission to um, postpone until they get funding but at the same time they are saying they are going back to court on the 25th and 26th of uh, next month in order to force the government to fund their legal costs at the commission. And uh, while waiting for that to come, they will continue with other campaigns to raise funds like they started on the 16th of August during the commemoration of the Marugana tragedy, where people or members of the general public went out in, with buckets collecting money from people who were attending this commemoration, and they raised about 17000 uh, rents, according to Advocate Dalimpov, but he says this money is not sufficient for their cost and they need more money. Thank you very much, uh, our reporter, Fanuel Schumer. With that, we give you your lunchtime market updates. Today's JSE report is brought to you by Telcom Business. Convergence. One solution, one service provider. Telcom Business. Sudhir Singh is with Sasfin Securities. Good afternoon to you, Sudhir. How are the markets looking today? Well, Bangi, global markets have opened strongly this morning, with stocks gaining after a few days in the red. European stocks have snapped a three-day losing streak on the back of uh, Vodafone surging on M&A talks. Over on Wall Street, uh, stocks rose for the first time um, this week to end the session higher last night, as oil producers led the gains as crude prices rose. Just taking a look at uh, the U.S. stock features this morning, it is pointing to further gains later on this afternoon. 
On the local front, the JSC has followed its global counterparts higher, led higher by uh, the coal miners and retailers. In corporate news, uh, Woolworths reported a 27% rise in full-year profits, uh, underpinning uh, the resilience of its upscale customer base. Taking a look at the local indices, we've got the gold index, which is down almost 4% today. Resource 10 index is up 0,1%. Industrial 25 index is up 1%. The financial index is up 0,8%. And overall, the market is up around 268 points, or 0,6% to 42,579. Stocks on the move today? On the upside, we have Woolworths, which is up almost 6% at 63 rands and 40 cents. African Bank is up uh, 2.5% at 16 rands and 50 cents. Vodacom is up almost 2% at 116 rands and 40 cents. Mr. Price is up just over 1% at 121 rands and 70 cents. And on the downside, we have Anglo Gold, which is uh, down uh, just over 4% at 138 rands and 60 cents. Discovery is down 2.5% at 84 rands and 20 cents. Sibania Gold is down 2% at uh, 10 rand 10 cents. And lastly, we have Netcare, which is down 0.2% at 23 rands and 10 cents. And uh, your latest market indicators? Currently, we have gold, which is trading at $1,411 an ounce. Platinum is at $1,526 an ounce. Brent crude is $115.80 per barrel. And finally, we have the rand, which is trading at 10 rand 40 cents to the dollar, 16 rand 10 cents to the pound, and 13 rand 70 cents to the euro. That's it from me, Bongi. Thank you very much to Sudhir Singh of Sasfin Securities. This feature was brought to you by Telcom Business. Talk to Telcom Business about getting you on the journey to convergence with a tailor-made solution. Telcom Business. Marilyn, please can you order me a midday blood sugar leveling gastronomic experience? Lunch, sir? Yes, that's the word I was looking for. Using several words when one will get the job done doesn't make sense. Neither does using several providers when you can get voice, mobile, fixed, data, cloud and IT from one service provider. Call 10217, click telcom.co.za forward slash business or visit a Telcom Direct store and get a tailor-made solution. Convergence. One solution, one service provider. Telcom Business. Midday Live on SAFM. 104 to 107. We go back to the Eastern Cape in Mtata. You heard opposition parties lashing out at both Walter Sisulu University Management and the government for failing to resolve the wage dispute at the university. The dispute between university management and workers has resulted in the cancellation of lectures. It's been going on for six weeks now, and uh, we heard students at the university have been given until tomorrow to vacate uh, the premises. Let's say good afternoon to the Director General of uh, the Department of Higher Education and Training, uh, Mr. Kwebit. Kunda Konde, is he on the line? No, he's not on the line right now. So uh, we'll try and see if we uh, can't get hold of him. In fact, we're trying frantically uh, to get a sense of what the Department of uh, Higher Education and Training is doing about this. Uh, but we'll tell you also that uh, Cape Town's oldest and largest soup kitchen at the St. George's uh, Cathedral uh, will serve what could be its last meal today. Uh, that's due to a lack of food. Funding. So we'll get a sense of uh, what is going on there. And of course, uh, you heard uh, earlier on uh, the Democratic Alliance has called on the Army Chief General Soli Shoke to brief Parliament's Joint Standing Committee on uh, their condition, ending, adding that uh, the soldiers have not been properly trained and equipped for their assigned tasks. So those are just uh, some of the stories coming through right here on Midday Live on SFM, South Africa's news and information leader. Love your new shoes. Yeah, thanks, man. I love their claret appearance. They've got definite hints of burgundy coming through. They've certainly got an abundance of character. And they have magnificent balance, which is crucial in a pair of shoes. But they're not too fruity or over the top. They're light and not too heavy. I definitely give them about four stars. Whatever. KZN is getting ready for the Mercury One Week, 28th to 30th of August, only at Suncoast. Tickets available at CompuTicket and at the door. 21 years ago, Johannesburg had an irresistible urge to build a stage and invite the whole world to perform on it. Do you remember your first art lunch? Dance Umbrella is back with a program that will delight, shock and wow you. Featuring Standard Bank young artist recipient Pana Chabalala moving into dance company and Jermaine Apne from Senegal to name a few. The Dance Umbrella program brought to you by the city of Johannesburg stitching together a more integrated city and is part of the city's 21 years of Atalife celebration. For more information, go to atalife.co.za. My daughter became a professional musician at the age of nine. 
even if it was just for a day. Old Mitchell took her to play with the Johannesburg Philharmonic Orchestra and let her leave her dream of becoming a musician 15 years before it happened. I'm glad we started saving for her education early. We all have dreams. The only way of making them real is by planning. Contact your old mutual financial advisor or your broker or call 0860 606060 for advice on an education plan for your child. Let us join you through every stage of your life journey from today. Do great things. Old Mutual, a licensed financial services provider. Midday Live on SAFM, 104 to 107. All right, I'll tell you what, you're gonna, uh, we're giving up now uh, trying to get hold of uh, the Director General of uh, the Department of Higher Education and Training, Kwebin uh, Kunza Konde. He did agree to speak to us. We rang him up and, of course, we put him on the line and he disappeared after that. And his phone is uh, going unanswered now. So uh, we're going to leave it at that. But uh, we're really uh, hoping to get a sense of what uh, the Department of Higher Education and Training is saying about uh, the situation at the University of uh, Walter Sisulu there in uh, the Eastern Cape. Cape Town's oldest and largest soup kitchen at the St. George's Cathedral will serve what could be its last meal today due to a lack of funding. The kitchen began in the mid-70s and now serves meals to about 300 people every week. It should be every day, actually. Uh, The Dean of uh, St. George's Cathedral, uh, Michael Weider, joins us on the line to tell us more about this. Good afternoon to you, sir. Hi, good afternoon, my brother, and to your listeners. It must be really tough running a soup kitchen, but more importantly, it's it's saddening that you may have to to serve your last dish this afternoon. That is so, but there's also a bright light that's uh, shining strongly on the plight of the poor. That at this moment we are in a position where we've been in discussion with the city and also with NGOs in the civil society. Uh, to conspire towards a plan that can make us more effective. But temporarily, uh, it would seem that we would have to close a soup kitchen. But what we're calling upon uh, our city officials and business people to uh, consider availing a fairly large hall that we could use in future, where we can not only provide soup for uh, for homeless people, but also provide other essential social services that will enable them to be more fully reintegrated into society. So that's a very positive development because of the the amount of enthusiasm and very compassionate offerings of money. But we need more skills, and when I said we do need the infrastructure of professional services and then also physical structure, where uh, after people have been fed, they can, uh, uh, you know, benefit from clinical services. Where have you been getting your funding, and uh, why did that tape dry? You know, we initially we were recipients from uh, from business, and then gradually that kind of dwindled away, and so we largely depended on donations from our membership, uh, and and that also we had to cut back on staffing, and we reliant on one person, uh, Miss Mary from Black who has been doing that on a voluntary basis. And she is also finding the incredible burden of having to deal with staffing issues, with uh, ensuring that people are paid at the end of the month. And then you do need a management structure, a little committee that keeps things together. And the lack of volunteerism has also affected our capacity. All right. So we thank you very much. Uh, that's uh, Michael Weider there. We hope you get funding to continue running that uh, soup kitchen in uh, Cape Town. It's uh, six minutes now to the hour of one. We talk now to the public protector, Tulima Donzela. Uh, the, of course, uh, he has re- she's released the final investigative report on irregular payments of legal fees by the Department of Finance in the Northwest Province. Parliament's Standing Committee on uh, Public Accounts had requested that the Auditor General's Office Provincial Public Protector's Office and the Hawks conduct investigations after it was reported that uh, the former MEC for Finance in the Northwest, uh, Louisa Mabi, and uh, the current MEC, Paul Sebejo, had failed to give a clear account of uh, processes following uh, the appointment of uh, illegal firm Morake Atenis. Uh, Advocate Matanzela, good afternoon. Good to talk to you. Good afternoon, and thank you for the invitation. What, what can you tell us about this report? You've concluded it. What, what's uh, contained in it? 
I think the quick response is that I have confirmed that the 15 million was spent uh, on a firm of attorneys called Nuraki Incorporated, and that 15 million was simply for an internal disciplinary process for three people, meaning 5 million was spent for an internal disciplinary process per person. Within that amount, um, half a million was spent just to draft charges against those people, half a million. This is something that departments do through their internal HR structures. Uh, almost a million was spent on recording, on, on payment for recording of proceedings. We've also, the decision also says that the procurement process was flawed. The original procurement was for for preparation of the charges, of the charge sheet. That on its own was done irregularly because there was no competitive process, not even just in having three quotations. The documentation says that um, the NSC asked that the, the services be procured through, the services of Morake be retained because he lives closer to the NSC's Mm. Uh, unfortunately, we couldn't then get during the interviews evidence supporting that, so we've left that to the whole. But uh, uh, Advocate Bertuzzi, it would appear here there the, the are gross irregularities. Who is at fault, and what is your recommendation? Because the NSC did not sign anything, the, 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 the BAC now has remained with the officials because they're the ones who didn't follow proper procedures. They go to this one firm of attorneys. This guy had about four years legal experience, so he wasn't the best in the field. In fact, most of the work then was um, given to advocates and uh, uh, irregularly so. So who's at fault? And we've put the fault now with the officials because they're the ones that could be confirmed to the acting HLD, the chief financial officer, the person in the minister's office. We've also said that the hopes should investigate more deeply the relationship between the NEC and Mr. Moraki. And because that's how scope has split it. We were supposed to investigate maladministration. Auditor General was supposed to investigate the procurement procedures followed, and, we, and the hopes were supposed to investigate the allegations of corruption. Because of that, then we didn't get telephone records or bank statements to see whether anybody got Kickbacks. So the Scotland's, sorry, the hooks are supposed to follow that. But we have our sacks of money being be recouped from Morocco Incorporated because there was double billing, particularly for transport. Uh, we've also asked the society to 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 check their fees and check whether their charges were consistent with what is required from the profession, and also to check whether there was any misconduct by the uh, the profession. All right, uh, we thank you very much, uh, Advocate Truly Matanzela. She is uh, the public protector. And that does it for your Thursday edition of uh, Midday Live here on SFM 104 to 107. PM Live comes through between 4 and 6, courtesy of Dash and Moodley. And, uh, of course, Tsepiso uh, Makwetla is your lady between 6 and 9 in the morning, Monday to Friday with uh, AM Live here on SFM 104 to 107. Let me thank my team now, Stagazel Lamin and Mabubuluka, and the technical producer today is Ndavozo Kuzwai. We thank uh, uh, also our executive producers, Bosisi.